Praise the Lord. Well, the sons of Korah, who learned what to do and what not to do from their rebellious, ungrateful, and unthankful father in the wilderness, Korah in the wilderness, they rebelled against Moses. Uh, they wrote these words in Psalm 47, commanding God's obedient, grateful, and thankful Christian people who are praises and worshipers of God to clap your hands, all ye people. with the voice of triumph. I believe the voice of triumph is hallelujah, for hallelujah is the highest praise. And hallelujah, there you go. Uh, well, if you remember from first Sunday, uh, here I told you uh, there were four types of sermons uh, one can preach or teach. Uh, there's topical, in which I've been doing. There's textual topical, in which you do, topical, okay, topical, you don't read a passage. But for your sake today, I'll read a passage. I want those, see, we, we, we got two major media outlets, right? Livestream and YouTube. I don't want my peers to think I don't know what I'm doing when I teach homiletics. <laughs> the art and science of preaching, right? So you have topical, you don't read a passage. Textual topical, you read a passage, but you don't necessarily have to stay uh, with the text. You more or less use the text a little in your topic. Narrative is a story from the Bible or a story with life, and expository, which you're used to verse by verse. But whatever style of preaching you use, you better preach Jesus. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. So again, homiletically speaking, in topical preaching, in which I'm doing, in the five stages of a relationship with God, you do not read a passage, but you preach the topic, use, and use passages during the topic, all right, during the topic, uh, you're preaching. But for your sake, again, Matthew 7, I'll read just verses 21 and 23, um, Okay. It's entitled in the ESV, I Never Knew You. <sighs> Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawless, you workers of iniquity. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, help me help them. Amen. The five stages of a relationship, part two. We told you the eyes have it. We're going to use five eyes. We told you the first stage of a relationship is to introduce someone to God and God to someone. And for our case study, so we can stay on course, we use Gary and Gail, and of course, you and I. Then we said, as we ended, that the second stage is to interact with God. 
Now, due to time restraints, I had to cut out uh, some of this with interacting. But I will tell you, or up front, I'm breaking protocol. With my own message, most people can't go to the third stage because they don't know how to forgive others and themselves. I'll just throw that in parenthetically now. So, as Gary and Gail interact with God by way of the Holy Spirit, his word and prayer, listening to preaching, teaching, Bible study, Gary and Gail will begin to understand what kind of God the true and living God is and what they can expect of him from him. And at the same time, while they, they Gary and Gail, are interacting with God, they will discover what he expects from them. See, when it comes to responsibility, it's 100% God and 100% man, 100% divinity and humanity. For example, as they interact with God in his word, they learn from scriptures like Leviticus 20 and 26, 1 Peter 5, 16 and 17, and so many other Old Testament and New Testament passages that God is holy and expects them to be holy as they interact with God through and by the way of the Holy Spirit uh, of God and passages like 1 John 4, 8, and 9, Matthew 22, 37 through 39, that God is love and he expects us to love him and others. You see, as Gary and Gail, again, you and I, really learn and know the priceless value of interacting with God by learning and knowing the nature and characteristics and the value of having the nature of God, that is having the, his seed, his DNA in us as his sons and daughters in which you can read for yourself in 1 John 3, 4 and 10 and learn the value of having the characteristics of God and which you can read in so many passages, but for time's sake, 1 Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5, 23, 22 and 23, Ephesians 4 and 31. And as you have learned and get to know and, and practice God's characteristics like love in 1 Corinthians and the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 3, 20, 2, and 23. And, of course, forgiveness, as we said, right? This is why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 31, and be ye kind one to another of tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Buddha's sake, for Allah's sake, for Harry Krishna's sake, mm -hmm. for Sung Young Moon's sake, mm -mm. for Jesus' sake, right? There you go, for Jesus' sake. That's a clap your hands, all ye people moment. I, I, I hesitated, if you noticed, I had some thoughts running in there, and I, and I got to pause to say this. I got a lot, so I better hasten on. Listen, don't ever forget this. If you don't hear anything else I say today, all the covenants... The Adamic, the Mosaic, the Abrahamic, the Davidic, the Old Testament covenant and New Testament covenants are all pointing to this one big, big, big covenant relationship. And that is God would be our father and we would be his sons and daughters. That's what the whole Bible is about. So keep that in your, in your front pocket. 
All right, so then you and I really, once we get this idea of forgiving we, and, and knowing God characteristically and interacting with him, we truly can become intimate with God, which is the third, third stage, third stage intimacy of Gary and Gail and anyone who wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with God. You see, intimacy with God for Gary and Gail and you and I and anyone who wants to intimately know God and be known of God is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And of course, Gary and Gail and you and I know God loves us with his all. Because the Bible says God loves us with his all for God is love. And he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross. Why? Because love gives. And anyone, Gary or Gail or anyone intimate with God, will learn to love God deeper and deeper. But you cannot be intimate with God if you don't love God enough to give him your time. Well, I, uh, I don't know. This might be my last time, so I'm just going to throw it in there in case any of you out there in, 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 in viewers land or here today in the brick and mortar church, you want to know what does God require of me? I don't know what God wants from me. I can tell you in a nutshell, it's four T's. He wants your time. He wants your talent. He wants your treasures and the total you. I would say something else, but I got the move. Like I said, love gives. Oh, I, I know. No, okay, I was on the phone with a, a, a bishop, and he said, I understand the time and the talent and the treasures you, treasures. Isn't that the total you? I, I said, no. I said, because you can give God your time. You at every service, you're faithful. You can give God your talent. You preach, you sing, you usher, you're faithful. You can give God your treasures. You give your tithes and offering faithful, but you're not good. You haven't given God the total you. You're sleeping around, creeping around. You're smoking, drinking, partying, living like the devil. I, I'm sorry. Anyway, like I said, so no, he wants the total you. Like I said, love gives, but if you do not give God any of your love by spending personal time with him, you will not have an intimate relationship with God. What then does it really mean to be intimate with God? I'll tell you the next. Being intimate with God for Gary and Gail or any of us simply means that we or you and I, for our case study, Gary and Gail, means being in a very close and personal father, here it is, and son-daughter, all right, relationship, even friend relationship with God. God. Abraham was God's friend. Jesus said, I call you my friends, all right? By and through uh, his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Word of God, and through the fellowship of the believers and Christians in the church community. It's a big movement of people who don't believe they need to come to church. That's a whole other message. Gary and Gail, as new Christians and all other new Christians that are newborn babes who are milk Christians, even mashed potato Christians, and meat Christians, that's what my whole ministry is about. It's an intentional. All of us should be about that, but mine is intentional. Those that are mature and seasoned in the Lord have been saved for years must know that Satan, the devil himself, is the 
master distractor, and no Christian can afford not to know that Satan the devil is the master distractor who has a master plan to distract Christians so we will not spend an intimate time with God. Folks, it doesn't matter who you are. If you let the devil deceive you into overindulging in all kinds of entertainment, you will not be intimate with God. And I'm not just talking about rated R movies and sex videos and pornography and sexual and violent videos on Facebook, Netflix, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and other social media outlets that can consume the Christian. God knows. Satan knows. We know. And if you call yourself a Christian, you should know. You'll hear me say that a lot if you call yourself a Christian. Because we have a lot of nominal Christians in word only but not in deed. A lot of people are just going to church because that's part of the culture in America. Hmm. But the Bible says Christ is not a part of our lives. He is our life. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall also appear with him in glory. Somebody shout glory. glory. There you go. There you go. Glory, glory, glory. So, so, so Satan knows, we know, and if you call yourself a Christian, you should know uh, that you will never really truly, purely be spiritually, biblically, be intimate with God, being consumed with the sinful entertainment, all right? But I'm specifically talking about, here it is, what Neil Postman was talking about in his prophetic 1984 Five book entitled Amusing Ourselves to Death. We say his book was and is prophetic because his book has been held as a 21st century book written in the 20th century. His book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, his two, uh, has two different covers. I believe it is the first cover that has a family of four on it with hoods on their heads, with no faces, with the implication that they died watching the television all the time, the television. The 20th anniversary edition has a man and a woman dressed in suits with TV ass heads. You get the picture. From, from both, you know you got crackheads, you got TV heads. All right. You get the picture from both covers. People, namely Christians, are dying or dead spiritually from amusing ourselves with electronics, cell phones, video games, technological devices such as iPods and iPads and iPhones, texting, sexting, Facebooking, TikToking, because many people, even those that call themselves Christians, have made media and entertaining entertainment an idol, a god, and many church-going people who deem themselves Christians are so consumed with spending hours, sometimes five and ten and fifteen hours a day of intimate time with their idols and gods that you can't pay them to spend personal time with God privately with themselves, and publicly, that's why they don't want to come to church. Many church-going people will not read the word of God, talk to God, praise or worship God, or spend time with God if you pay them tax-free money to do it. Mm -hmm. 
This is why we often hear pastors and preachers who are trying to get Christians to interact with God, let alone spend intimate time with God, find them themselves pampering the church, the American church. Hmm. Keep on going, Willie. Church folks that call themselves Christians by saying, if you just give God five minutes of your time a day, you will begin to see a difference in your relationship and walk with God five minutes a day. Really? Really? Five minutes a day? For we eat more than five minutes. People drink a shot of liquor at the bar stool more than five minutes. A bottle of beer watching a game more than five minutes. We go to the bathroom, the restroom more than five minutes. I hear you. I got you already covered. I got you. Dr. James, it's not the quantity of time. It's the quality of time. You hold your seatbelt. If you only spend five times, five minutes Spend five minutes with God, but five, 10, 15 hours with your electronic and media gods, work eight hours a day, and spend the rest of your day doing family duties and going here and there and everywhere and still have to deal with the struggles of your personal life and the troubles of life in 2022 society in this crazy and chaotic 21st century, you will not be intimate with God no more than a man who is from Brooklyn who marries a woman from Brooklyn in Brooklyn and then leaves her in Brooklyn and moves to Brazil 4,230 miles away and spend four to six hours of intimate time a day with Brazilian women and then calls it and talks to his wife just five minutes a day. Even if he flies from Brazil to Brooklyn and spends just five minutes a day with her, tell me how intimate would they be with each other? You do know you married. It is not a single person in this world. You either married to God or the devil. Ouch. See, you thought I was talking about natural, didn't you? <laughs> if a man just spends five minutes a day with his wife in those, these conditions, he will not be married to his Brooklyn wife long before he emotionally, intimately, I mean, even sexually intimately, hooks up with a Brazilian woman. You see, we Christians, especially, I mean, especially in America, want to say we love God and are, and are in a spiritual Christian marriage with him, and we say we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, but we do not, either we do not or do not want to spend time with the Lord. Like the husband of the Brooklyn wife who married her but was content with being 4,230 miles away from his wife and spending just five minutes with her the day that he spends time with her. You get it, the time that you do spend time with God. Spends at least four intimate hours a day with another woman. Too many American Christians are content with spending just well, I think just five minutes of time with God while spending hours and hours of intimate time with all these other people, places, and things that they have adopted as their gods. 
Most American church-going Christians are content with leaving God in heaven, our Father in heaven, right where he's at. And then when all trouble break out, we want to say, where is God? Right where you left him? No, God is saying, where the churches? The apostles turned the world upside down. We'll, this thing that wasn't done on the corner. If your church is not centered around uh, a Christian education and evangelism and discipleship, you need to shut the doors and revisit. It got quiet. It was already quiet. It got quiet. Er, is that bad English? Quiet. Er, most Christian church-going Christians are content with leaving God in heaven, right where He is, right where He's at. Like the husband who is content with leaving his wife 4,230 miles in Brooklyn while he enjoys his intimacy with his other women or woman. Likewise, most Christians leave God way in heaven while they spend hours and hours of intimate time on earth and their other gods. But you are drastically deceiving yourself if you think a five-minute distant relationship with God will sustain you in any century, let alone the 21st century and 2022 with all this sin and suffering in this world. You have got to understand something. It is easier to act like a Christian than to react like a Christian. Okay, yeah. So if you do not spend any significant, here it is, quantity and quality, gotcha, didn't I? Book them, Dano. It's Geico is what we do. Quality and quantity time with God, you're not going to be able to really be able to consistently react to sin and suffering like a true Bible-believing, saved, sanctified, and spirit-filled Christian. Dr. James, why is that so vital to react to sin and suffering? How do I know? Because ever since the popularity of the prosperity movement that really started in the, in the late 70s but began to gain popularity in the 80s and 90s, most of the preachers and pastors then and even now and the therapeutic de deistic gospel preachers of the day have taken sin and suffering out of their sermons. I'm talking to the worldwide church now in the community, the church community, not just the EPC, you see what I mean, not just Church of God, Church of God in Christ, not just Presbyterian Methodists, I'm talking to everybody. So I promise you, if you do not spend quantity and quality time, intimate time with God for yourself, as sin and suffering rapidly increases, you're not going to have the spiritual stability and fortitude to stay with God through the barrage of sin and suffering that has been and is being unleashed in this country and the cosmos. Your community and your church and in your personal life, you see there are four major reasons why humans suffer. And I'm going to address that, those four reasons at a later time in another message entitled Why? Why? Why humans suffer? Anybody want to know why? But even after, do you know why? Are you still going to apply this message? You see? And, and spend, spend intimate time with God? 
It will not. It will not matter. Because you can't make it in this world of, of, of suffering without being intimate with God in a relationship with God. It won't matter what message you hear. If you don't give God your time, your talents, treasures, and total you. My wife's trying to tell me something. I'm sorry. Say it. Okay. Well, my wife's trying to correct me, y'all. Ask her after church. I got to keep rolling. <laughs> I said something. I misspoke something. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to hasten on. You will not survive spiritually. Thank you. That was the segue right there. You will not survive spiritually, let alone thrive spiritually, if you do not know how to react to your own personal sin. When you fall short of the glory of God, and if you do not spend intimate time with God, you definitely will not react uh, like a true Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christian when others sin against you. So since most preachers and pastors have taken sin and suffering and consequently how to react to sin and suffering as a Christian out of their sermons, Christians, you must read, search, and study the Bible yourself or else you will not make it in this world of sin and suffering. Secondly, as a matter of fact and truth, I promise you, if you do not make it your top priority to intentionally be in an intimate father and son and daughter and friend relationship with God, you're not going to make it. Dr. James, based upon all that you have said, we believe, we understand how vitally important it is to have an intimate relationship with God. But when you say that we're not going to make it if we do not be in intimate with God, don't you think you're being a little pessimistic, negative? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact and truth, there are several reasons why I'm actually, factually and truthfully being optimistic. Again, but for time's sake, I will just give you two. I'm being optimistic about not making it in life because of the great falling away. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.01, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together uh, to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either in spirit or by word or by letter as if it is from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. They were panicking. Let no man deceive you by any means for the day, the rapture, more spe specifically the day of great tribulation will not come unless the falling away comes first. Apostle Paul, what is the falling away? It is the apostasia, the apostasy, a great rebellion against God, all right, of non-Christians and those that call themselves Christians. The falling away is a massive amount of people who have once professed to be Christians forsaking God. Why? Because they refuse to truly be intimate with God. Folks, the great falling away is theological. You 
see, we are used to seeing people who, based on their testimony, once walked with God, leaving him and going back to partying and drinking and clubbing and living their old sinful lifestyles. And although that was and is theological, meaning it had to do something with where they were spiritually in their relationship with God and what they believed about God, most people think people fell away because they just got weak in their flesh and let their love and or lust for the world get the best of them. Regardless of what you think about that, I can assure you without a doubt that the great falling away before the great day of the Lord is primarily theological. People that are so-called world-renowned social media and TV bishops, elders, prophets, apostles, evangelists, and parishioners all are denouncing God and saying they do not believe in Christ or Christianity anymore. Why? Because they and their biblical theology were wrong in the first place. Or they were spiritually shallow. Shallow. Let me just throw this in parenthetically. The three foundations of Christianity is orthodoxy, ortho means straight. Any dentist in here? Straight, like straight teeth. Orthodoxy, right belief. Orthopathy, right attitude. And orthopraxy, right behavior. But it starts with right belief. So it's primarily theological. Why? Because they did not spend, get the right theology, and spend quality and quantity, intimate time with God. And this is happening every day. And because we're in the last days before the great day, the theological falling away is about to happen in the worst way. As a matter of fact, the great theological falling away The great theological rebellion is already happening in the worst way. Of course, it's going to get worse. People that call themselves Christians, I got to say it, I'm sorry, who are liberal theologians and which some have even gone or going to liberal theological seminaries and claim to have an intimate relationship with God, but rebel against what God says about abortion, marriage, sexual immorality, and holy living, and use the holy word of God to do it. And cause church-going Christians who do not spend quality and quantity intimate time with God, based on those three O's, themselves to rebel against God and fall away. This is why Peter picked up the pen in 1 Peter 4 and 17 said, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them who obey not the gospel of God? Wow. The second reason why I'm not going, I'm not being negative by emphasizing how Christians must be intimate with God and how being intimate with God is as important, if not more important than oxygen is to the human, is because Dr. Luke wrote the words that Apostle Paul uttered of even an unsaved poet. He said, listen, in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. You see, spending intimate time with God is the, for the Christian, if you will, spiritual, it's the spiritual oxygen. And if you're not deeply intimate with God daily and regularly, adversity, Tribulation, trials, death, and life, and everything 
in these last and evil days can easily separate you from God. And like oxygen separated from a human and a fish out of water means death, Christians not being intimate with God will eventually lead to being separated from God and death spiritually. You have got to be quorum day in the presence of God, in the face of God, under the authority of God, people in these last and evil days. Come on, clap your hands and tell the Lord thank you. You have got to practice the presence of God in your life daily. Dr. James, you really, really went deep into intimacy. Why? Because it is the third stage. And if Gary and Gail and you and I or anyone who profess to be a Christian does not master, I don't mean legalistically, but graciously master the third stage of our relationship with God, we will be separated from God and perhaps die in our sins and be eternally lost before we make it to the fourth stage of a relationship with God. And you'll see how vitally important it is when I give you this next stage. You see, the fourth stage of a relationship with God is inseparability. That is why we're so passionately preaching. Not to mention, I don't want to get in trouble with God. <laughs> Folks, if you're not intimate with God and you get separated from God, oxymoron, you can't be possibly be inseparable from God. Now, I know he's married to the backslider, right? You got two types of backslider, penitent and impenitent. Impenitent, they hate God, the people of God, God's government, God's way of doing things. They, they, they hate God. It's going to take God in heaven anyway, always, right, to really get that person to come back. Then you got penitent backsliders. They were hurt by the church. Phil has got hurt. Something happened. They just need somebody to love on them, preach the gospel. Now, here is the ultimate test to see if our Christian viewers out there and in here are really going to live this message out in your life. We're almost there. Christians, those who call yourself the Lord's believers or disciples, again, it is the third stage of intimacy that Gary and Gail and you and I, all right, must intimately fortify ourselves in God by way of the Holy Word, the Holy Spirit of God, our obedience to them, and by way of the faith community. Why? So that we can personally, deeply, and truly understand and know the Lord intimately and inseparably. Hmm. The Lord God says to Jeremiah and the people of Jerusalem and Gary and Gail and every Christian today, this is what I, the sovereign Lord God says. Don't let the wise man boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who boast, boast in this alone, that they know me. And of course, more important that I know them is both. That they know me and understand that I am the Lord. Not Washington. Oh, Willie, you got to move. I was getting ready to call the roll. Whew. The Lord is the Lord. 
Not your mother, not your father, not your house, not your car, not your animal. People making, listen, now I know I'm, I'm against animal cruelty, but now we done made a God out of these animals. I get the animal movement because people being cruel, but we went to the other extreme. We value animals more than we value people. Willie, you got to move. The Hebrew word for know here in Jeremiah is yada. It means to know God covenantally, intimately, and relationally. And when Gary and Gail and you and I and every Christian spend quantity and quality time with the Lord covenantally, intimate, and relationally, then you transition into the fourth stage of the Christian relationship with God. Again, the fourth stage of a Christian relationship with God is inseparability, which means nothing or no one can separate Gary or Gail or you and I, anyone who has been introduced to God, who has interacted with God, and who is biblically and closely intimate with God, and is in an inseparable relationship with God from God. But in these last and evil days and these trying times, Christians who are not in a daily intimate relationship with God will easily be separated from God. As a matter of fact, it is already happening, as I already said. Many who said that they were Christians and said they knew the Lord have let a little disappointment separate them from God. They let some sinners talking about them and persecuting them separate them from God. They let losing their job, their house, and their car, and family, and their animal separate them from God. They even let people in the church that were doing them wrong separate them from God. But I have a saying that is, I say to Christians, and that is just because people do you wrong and the devil do you wrong and you even do you wrong, you never do wrong by God. You don't leave God for nobody or nothing. You never let anything or anyone or any place separate you from God. I do not care what they are and who they are. Don't let them separate you or stop you from having an inseparable relationship with God. Why Dr. James the Apostle Paul said it best in Romans 8, 35 through 39, when describing the Christian's inseparable relationship with the Lord our God, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Despite all these things, we are more than conquerors. My God, through him that loved us, for I'm persuaded. Anybody in here persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on and clap your hands and tell the Lord thank you. Christians, be inseparable with Jesus Christ. Stay
stay, remain, abide in Christ and let Christ and his word abide in you so you can be inseparable, inseparable with him so you can make it to the fifth stage of a, the Christian's relationship with God because the fifth and final stage of the Christian's relationship with God is infinity. Somebody shout glory. You ought to get happy off of that. Infinity. Time without end with God. Gary and Gail and you and I and every Bible-believing Christian who's inseparable with God will spend infinity and eternity with God, with the Holy Trinity and God's holy community of people and the holy, infinite, eternal city of God. So after you have been introduced to God and become a Christian and interact with God as a child of God and be intimate with God and grow to be inseparable with God one of these days Gary and Gail and you and I will spend infinity with our Father God in heaven and our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ saints stay inseparable it won't be long before we spend infinity with the Lord the songwriter Andre Crouch said it this way it won't be long when we'll be leaving here we'll be going home so count the years Years as months, count the months as weeks, count the weeks as days. Mm, any day now, we'll be going home, saints, Christians, people of God. We will be spending an, an infinite relationship with the Lord and with each other, saints, Christians, people of God. Make sure your relationship with God and fellow Christians and even non Christians are right so you can be rapture ready. Why? Because at any time, any moment the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with the Lord my God in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air the Lord himself is coming not Michael not Gabriel not Moses not Isaiah not Jeremiah but the Lord himself and then we will be with the Lord for ever and ever and ever and ever and ever I can't help myself the Pentecostal preacher coming out of me now one glad morning when this life is over you and I are going to fly away what are we going to do when we get to heaven Dr. James we're going to walk in Jerusalem just like John shout glory one of those days we're going to see Jesus and when we see Jesus somebody shout amen when I see the man that died for me on Calvary I'm going to say amen how are we going to get how are we going to get to heaven through the five stages of a relationship with God neighbor sinner man, sinner woman, churchgoer have you been introduced to God do you interact with him? Do you have an intimate relationship with him? Are you inseparable with him? Are you going to spend infinity with him? Or have you been introduced to Satan? I told you all these five stages of relationship can be with God, Satan, and people. A satanic worshiper, just got, he just got saved. I think it was in Africa. He was introduced to Satan. He interacted. He was intimate. Oh, but the blood. 
the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ separated him from Satan. And now he can start the cycle with God. I'm sorry I got happy. <laughs> Come on and clap your hands and tell the Lord thank you. Ooh. I'm so happy I don't know what to do next. But you know what, though? It just kicked in the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody under the sound of my voice will have these five stages of a relationship with you and that they are bound for heaven. And those that are not, the ranked sinner, the sinner man out there, that they would accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.